we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Strikes a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a try to Andrew John. Root streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Waramai and Wanarua land, this is the Bay 53 Podcast. And we are still part of the Sports Best Friends Podcasting Network. We are back, baby. That's right. Bigger, badder, and more importantly, better than ever. This is the third year of the Biggest Nights Podcast going around. They said we couldn't do it. We said we couldn't do it. Big T begged us not to do it, but we said, fuck it, we're coming back, and we are all in on the Newcastle Knights NRL and NRLW seasons for 2024. This is your co-host, K-Dog. He is joined, as ever, by the inimitable Bretto, the most famous Australian patriot you can find. Uh, Bretto, 2024, 01 Vibes, baby. How good is it to be back? Amazing to be back, mate. Amazing to be back. Looking at positive this time last year, we were like, we were so down on the club. This year, we are winning it all. Now, mate, look, we have got so much rugby league to be talking about. But even before we get to that, you, sir, were the most famous Australian <laughs> trending on the internet at one point a mere couple of weeks ago. We, uh, I'm putting you on the spot. We didn't talk about this in the rundown before we pressed record, but I want to take you back to the time when everybody in Australia was following you as the man taking down, taking down Woolworths and Aldi in the name of Australia. How does it feel to be internet famous, brother? I've got to, got to be honest with you, mate. It was, you know, a surreal experience. Like, it's no, just kidding. It was like <laughs> it was so dumb. Like, it was the most dumbest, obvious, satirical tweet ever. And seriously, literally within three minutes, I'd been retweeted nearly a hundred times. So for the for 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 the, the couple of our followers who aren't on uh, Twitter, um, your your good friend Bretto decided to um, really stick it to Woolworths. And you know, you may remember a couple of weeks ago when the big controversy was that Woolworths and Aldi weren't um, selling uh, Australia Day paraphernalia. And what was it? I, I don't want to spoil it, Bretto. What what was the tweet? What was the tweet that you sent out on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter? Oh, I'm just trying to exactly say what I'm bloody. Because you were at the checkout. You, in, in, yeah, yeah. Give, oh, you've got me in the spot. I can't remember. Was that one? No, ago. no, no. That's all right. Give uh, me uh, half a second. Can't even really find it. Look, because the key part really was that um, you'd taken your Woolies bag into Coles with you. And oh, that's check- right. That's right. <laughs> that, that's what it is. I was at the checkout. I'd taken my Woolies bags into – I'd taken my uh, Woolies bags into Coles, and the girl high-fived me at the counter, and the crowd cheered. <laughs> take that and, and i think you said that uh take that lefties or something yeah, like yeah, that anyway yeah. the next thing we knew you were just trending like there was no tomorrow like i think i, I think what did it finish up at about twenty five thousand uh impressions for the tweet yeah but yeah but of course this is not where the story ends the the key part the, the key kicker in the end was your ability to take down one of the all-time great um uh, uh, piss take accounts on Twitter. Yeah, which one? I took down a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, when you were telling the boys, I said I give it about an hour before people start quote uh, before people start tagging. Did not happen of the year. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and it was amazing. That so that next morning I woke up. So that was I did that on a Friday afternoon. So I woke up on the Saturday morning and it said didn't happen of the year and. Thing. And I thought, oh, nothing, you know, I've been tagged a hundred times already. And then I went into it and see they, they'd actually added me. And I was like, okay, this means <laughs> now, now, now I'm impressed with my ability. The, um, 
And then that's when, yeah, then the other ones jumped on. So Craig Kelly jumped on board. <laughs> uh, R- Ralph Babbitt. Um, about 15 of, like, you know, the Cooker accounts have got 20,000, 30,000 followers. Oh. Apparently, apparently it was all over, you know, Cooker Reddit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it was just, honestly, it wasn't even, like, I just, it was just a dumb tweet. I was sitting um, down at the, um, down at the doctor's, and just, the thing, oh, and I just, my whole feed was, yeah, you know, straight A merchandise crap. And I thought, you know, you know me, I just like to take a bit of the piss to entertain myself. And as I said, within within three minutes, it had been retweeted a hundred times. One of the one of the big accounts had latched under it straight away. They must have been searching, a, you know, a word that I'd used, and that was it. It was off. It was even funnier as well because you picked up all of these Patriot followers. I think there were about 150 extra followers that you ended up in. And at one point, you were just very generous, graciously saying, "Look." You're all going to realise quite quickly that following me was a huge mistake. You know, I won't think any less of you if you do. This could just be a one-night stand and a mistake you want to forget. You can unfollow me and move on with your life. There'll be no hard feelings. <laughs> and, and, and credit to some of them. They've stuck with me. Credit to gang, Credit to them. And the, the one that's really going to be funny is the real hardcore lefty sports ball types. So now we're getting into that footy season. <laughs> They're the ones that are going to be most upset with my tweeting. You know, why the fuck is this Kalen character suddenly trending on my feed? <laughs> yeah, um, I've, I've changed all my stuff from all my Palestine stuff. To, yeah, now I'm Jürgen Norbert Klopp. And <laughs> <all this video. laughs> Mate, if your um, shenanigans on Twitter are anything to go by, where you're causing a stir, you're breaking down barriers, and, you know, you're just taking charge, let's be honest, the Newcastle Knights, men and women, are in for a massive year. Um, And it's funny, you know, you do think about 12 months ago. I mean, let's let's go back. Let's go back uh, 12 months ago, going into the 2023 season. So we were fresh off... You know that just that that monumental high of the NRL W girls, you know, taking out that premiership, that first club women's premiership, and there was that. It, let's be honest, there was that air of trepidation going into twenty twenty three because you sort of was it a fluke with the girls? You know, are they going to be able to back it up with a longer season? And of course, are the men going to just drag us all down again and go through another turgid year? Because let's be honest, 12 months ago, you and I were genuinely, and I mean genuinely questioning whether or not we were going to renew our memberships for the season. Yeah, yeah, that was... Oh, you, you mean, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're emotional guys, you know, we're up and down, and but we're, mm. we're, we're knights of the core, you know. We're, we'll always find the positive in this club, but we were struggling to find positives. We would, we were it's just the like, hardest... We, we, We've got a generational player and we can't find a positive. It's the worst I've ever felt having to make payments towards my like my membership. Like that that's how that's how bad yeah. it had gotten. Where I was just starting to think to myself, I'm like, why am I still doing this? Why am I still wasting my money? And I I genuinely sort of renewed in the expectation that I'm always going to give them a chance. But this might be the year where I can't get it, like where I can't see out the sea, you know, where I'm just mm. picking and choosing where I, when I go. Mm. And, you know, and that's not really fun to admit, you know, for someone like me that used to go religiously, but, you know, but it's it got to that point where it was affected, affecting um, my mood, you know, which is just, it's stupid. They're a football team, but wow, were we down on them? So, because 58, what was it again? 53 or 58 games in a row that you went through the, uh, the spoon yeah, years? 58 out of 59, yeah. Yeah, right. So, and the only other, because, you know, if you're going to, live through the good times you've got to relive the bad you've got to accept the bad times as well so not only did we you know drag ourselves into the season of course Jaden Braley's um no no sorry that was the that was the year, season before scratch that but um there was also the concern over Kalen Ponger and it only took it took a 70 minutes of rugby or sorry 60 minutes 80 minutes 80 minutes of rugby no 70 minutes 70 minutes of rugby league for KP. So it's week two of the season of the men's season. We are already down on the idea of having to be there. We've lost away to the Warriors in the opening round, and all of a sudden our million dollar man goes down in the first minute of our second and, game of the season. And he already had a try in the first game, didn't he? Yeah, he no, off, that's he right. Off, he had to go off. Yeah. He went off late in the first game, and, and that sort of cost us getting back, you know, getting a chance to win that game, even though he, he was sort of passed. But then, yeah, week two, we're at the Tigers, 
we're not playing great, but we're in, you know, we're not playing great, like sort of, I know that was early in that game. I mean, like the Warriors game, we didn't play great, but we thought, oh, you know, positives week two, we should we should be able to drill the Tigers. And before you know it, KP's down and the whole world's collapsed. Yeah, this is this is how much I want to illustrate just how down I think generally Knights fans were. So I want to take you back to the COVID season and the 14-all draw with um, the Panthers. Um, we lost uh, Connor Watson, Mitchell Pearce that game. We played completely undermanned, and because I think I think KP was out of that yeah, game no as KP, well. Yeah, no KP. So. We didn't even win that game. We drew that game against a team that would obviously go on to be, you know, proven one of the all-time greats. We drew that game. And even after that, the confidence that we took as a as a fan base and obviously as the team out of that game was sky high. In round two last year, we lost – we played down a man with, for about 20 minutes. We lost our best – we were hanging on by a thread. We won that game. And yet my cousin, who was there that day, he said there was not a single part of me that could enjoy any aspect of that win because of what I thought it cost us. So you know what I mean? So you see what I, we we won a game in the same circumstances that we could not enjoy because that's how down on the club that we as we fans lost, had we started Brown to get. Well, that day, didn't we? HIA for Braille, too, didn't we? Yep, yep. So we're, so we're down to our two probably most important players at that time. You know, and I just said, Jacob, so I figured, you know, who at that time we didn't know it, but as it turns out, he's probably our best front rower at the moment. Mm. Um, got sent off at 20 to go. And, yeah, you, you hold on and you win and you go, but, you know, it's the Tigers you expected to win, so there's no great joy in getting, you know, those two points. But all you're thinking about was, well, where are we now? You know, like, and there was, there was genuine conversations amongst everybody, the media, the fans, Imagine in the Ponga household whether you're playing it. We won't drag. We won't go on for too. We obviously didn't intend to start like this, but I guess for you, Bredo, and this will be the last, the last we sort of speak of it. I think for the rest of the year. But what for you was not rock bottom, but the lowest point of 2023? Was it that? Was it that KP head knock in the in the second minute of round two, or did it get worse after that? Um. Yeah, Paramount like I'm was. Thinking, yeah. And, so, and only because, because he'd come back and I thought he was back. Player. He, he's not the same player. I, th- yeah. I thought I thought the head knocks had, you know, had, had done him in mentally because he just was not putting his head in, in, a, in, a, in the tackles. And I know it was early and you've got to get your confidence back in that, but he just looks so down on himself. The, the famous uh, picture of uh, Jacko picking him up off the ground when after they they'd run through him again, and you thought, yeah, there's a good spirit in the team, but you thought that's just it, you know. Normally, KP will bounce back to his feet, and yeah, and of course that, they, that was when I it, thought, you know, the, this the spirit, not well, the spirit's not the right word. The, the desire to the desire to hurt himself again is gone. You know, he's not willing to take another knock, and rightfully so. And it wasn't even just in that game; it was after the game as well. We're not only were we down, we seemingly out. You know, it was our worst loss for the season. KP was hugely out of form, but we couldn't even leave it there because then he started to cop the criticism after the game that he was um, ignoring the fans, yeah. and then he started. So he started to get the cop the personal attacks as well. Yeah, so you're right; yeah. that that was the absolute lowest point of the season. And this is really where the story starts to turn because that's what brings us to this upward trajectory that we're here today. And as you quite rightly pointed out, myself and some of the boys, you said, well, you were you were at the turning point of the club because it was really after that game, after all the fallout, where things started to turn. And, you know, we, we started to put a couple of wins together. We had some close losses against um, there you know, was only, two There was teams. only one poor performance. Oh, sorry, one and a half poor performances after that. So the Sharks game away. Yep. Which I think was the next week. Or maybe two weeks yes. later. Um yep. yep, so that we were disappointed that day. And then the first half. No, no, no. So because remember we had the bye, then we flogged the Titans, and then we lost to the Sharks. The Sharks. So, yeah, and that was yeah, right, and that was yeah. Lockie Miller's yeah. last game for the club. That's, that's right. So yeah. No, so, sorry. He played against the Dragons as well. Yeah, he's like, yeah, but his last game is part of the best seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and then you know, and then we had got on those close losses, Brisbane, Penrith, um, the only other one is the first time against the Roosters. We were poor that day. Yeah. But, yeah, but, but you know, but we, we showed plenty that second half. We did quite get over the line in the end. They were a bit too experienced with the lead. But, 
yeah, you certainly would say that was a, a terrible performance. Mm. Especially as well, because we all thought that the Roosters were a finished team by then, but, I mean, they ended up finishing seventh that season. And they, and and they, they were a team that's bullied us, so we thought they had that yeah. chance to sort of, you know, to get them. And when we didn't get them, I was like, oh, we're never going to get them. But as it turns out, they, they were just starting to pick their season up. You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. Let's let's skip forward to today, all right? Because I think the thing that's really starting to... I think the thing that's really given the fans the biggest um, energy boost is actually the fans themselves. You know, we've got record number... 24,000 members already signed up, a record amount for this stage of the season. Um, does that Like, does that bring pressure on the club or... Did that 10-game streak last year, did the way we finished the season, has that given the players that extra incentive now where the, the numbers that are following going, oh, hey, we, we, they actually backing us. You know what I mean? Does does the does the increased membership, does that become a burden or does that become, uh, you know, a, an extra incentive for the boys? Um, it's hard to say. The thing I will say that, the club was always, and the players have always, and especially Ads, he's always said, you know, like no matter how bad we go, you know, we, we get the numbers, our memberships are okay, but we always get the numbers to the games. And I think they sort of thought that was where the club was at, you know, like what win, lose, or draw, that was the support they would get. Whereas this sort of shows that, no, if you're successful, you've only, you know, you've only sort of experienced, you know, the mid-range yeah. of what this this, yeah. town, this club's about. Like that every game, that can be every week if this team is good. Mm. And I think that the play the players will certainly feel some pressure. There's no doubt about that. But I actually think maybe for the first time in a long time, they're equipped to handle it. You and I said immediately after the Raiders game, in fact, I think we even said it on on the podcast where we said they had like they just had to win that game. It didn't yeah. it didn't matter if they won it by 40, by two points in the end, if if, if it was by one. They had to win that game because no matter what. You know, and even if it was, you know, 60 points to 58, to come out of it and go, we know we can do it now, is th- that psychological hurdle to overcome is sort of everything. And b- before I throw it over to you to sort of comment on that, it- it's really disappointed me, again, the narrative around the way the night se- the men's season ended, which is, oh, well, you barely beat the team that finished eighth and you got flogged by the Warriors the week after, who got flogged by Brisbane. And I'm like, that is that is one way you can look at it. I can't deny it. But what disappoints me in that is that the way you actually should be looking at it is the Knights are the first team to hand Ricky, Ricky Stewart a loss in week one of the finals. Now, Ricky Stewart is a team that is a coach who historically has gone down to Melbourne and gotten wins over uh, Craig Bellamy's Storm. And nobody's ever said that the Storm are a rubbish team for not being able to beat Ricky's Raiders. So, you know, Ricky is a coach who, whatever we think of him, he is a guy who knows how to get players up for that one that one game that matters yeah. to create yeah. chaos and get the result. And they, no they, have, they, he, have, they have one maximum two big finals in them every year. Yep. And we were the team that said, no, not on our turf. You are not doing this to me. And remember, this is something that even Melbourne have struggled to do. So, so there's that. Now, the other thing that really irritates me as well is, that, oh, well, you got flogged by the Warriors. Yes. But people seem to forget we played 90 minutes of football with a six-day turnaround into an overseas trip. And absolutely, they blew us off the park in the first 20 minutes. But people also tend to forget that it was, I think it was only 20 points to 12. Like it, there were two, it was a two-try scoreline early in that second half. And then we finally ran out of legs because what we finally found out was Phoenix Crossland was playing with injuries that probably required that ultimately required surgery. Dan Safidi was out that day, and all of these players were carrying these knots. And how bad KP's shoulder actually was. And KP was playing busted himself. So everyone looks at those going, struggle to beat eighth, you got flogged in week two. What I see is that this is a team now that's actually developed that mentality that we can we can play no matter what. And I absolutely maintain in my heart of hearts, if we could kick properly in the in the first part of the season and we'd finish top four, I absolutely believe that this is a team that could make it to a preliminary final. Yeah, no doubt about that. There's no there's no doubt that we um I think we're at least as good as the Warriors. Oh yeah. Um, 
I think I think we're every bit as good as the Storm. The Storm of the Storm, they'll always be the Storm. But in terms of, you know, matching up on the field, we're every bit as good as the Storm. And I actually think we're better. I think we're better across the park than the Storm. We're certainly better in the forwards than them. Um, yeah, you're right. We, there's definitely a team there that could have won the prelim if things went a bit different early on this season. But I, I maintain it really weird considering the games we won to make that run. To me, the game mm. to prove where these clubs turn around is that Dragons win. You, yes. you, rest, you rest half your club, you rest all your stars, and you, and, you, you know, and you play at a place that you never win at in a game that doesn't matter, and you blow them off the park. The Knights never do. Even their glory days, we couldn't do that. How many times have we had games to win minor premierships the last week when it didn't really matter? You know, you finish, finish in first or second, no difference in real reality, and we get blown away by nobodies, you know? We lost to the Dragons in 2002. It cost us the minor yeah. premiership. Yeah. And I remember, in like, I think in 1999, I think it was, where we cost ourselves um, a higher place up the left because we, you know, we were in this great form. We'd come off 60 to nil over the Rabbitohs. And then we fell in a heap towards the end of the season and we were knocked out in week one. And that's kind of where the club's at. Like, we sort of, we've always just accepted that with the Knights, you know, we're, we're hot and cold up and down. So even even when we're good, we're not, you know, we're not consistent. And as I said, that Dragons game to me was, yeah, it was sort of eye-opening in terms of, it really feels like there's a different attitude here. And look, at the end of the day, for, for everything that Knights fans have sort of been through, again, we sort of do remind everyone, yes, the club almost folded. It sort of feels uh, a bit petty to take away from letting us enjoy the run and the, the home win in the finals. And and it's it, what's funnier to me is how everybody wants to celebrate that, that atmosphere of that Raiders game, particularly the Dom Young try, but it's almost like they use that as a t- as a means to sort of rub it in the Knights' faces, like well, you couldn't get the job done next week, and on Dom gone, Dom's gone anyway. You know what I mean? There's always that feeling with the Knights yeah. that they want to use the the good bits about the Knights to promote the game, but the bad bits to shit like to shit on the Knights. And I'm sort of <laughs> I'm like, no, we did that. You know, the Knights yeah. gave that to rugby league. You know, we. We, we we hosted, I think, the best week one finals atmosphere and game that played out. And, you know, and our, and our boys sort of stood up to that. And, um, no, I, I just I just think, um, you know, you and I, I don't think we're at the unreasonable 2022 levels of expectation. Um, but I definitely think Knights fans should have um, reason to be excited about what's coming for the men and the women. And um, again, there's, I a re- think... there's a reason why we were on Channel Nine a lot this year. Yeah, you know, and it's because of what they've seen in those last couple of months of the season, and the ratings they were getting, how it looked on TV with the crowds, and they're thinking, well, if we put them on a Thursday night, they'll if they're going good, they'll still get twenty two thousand. Better than putting on a game, yeah, you know, between two big clubs, but there'd be eight thousand people there. Like, well, that's the thing that that really, I think, it really sort of rocked. Um, a lot of the, the younger people in the NRL in terms of like the people that don't remember the 90s when we were good and we were so important to the league, I think it, it just hit over that point of this club going well is great for football and great for TV ratings and it's a great spectacle. You want to know what I think the turning point from a spectacle point was, was um, the end of the Souths game where KP is playing it up to the, Andrew, the crowd in the Andrew John stand. I actually think that was a bit of a turning point where people were like, "Hey, this guy's prime time. He's yeah. actually because he's it, it, they the media had spent so long pumping up KP the idea of KP. That was the day to me that he sort of arrived as the the player KP because he put the performance on the park, but then he was he had the showman in him enough afterwards to sort of you know whoop it up like like Joey would have done back in the Halcyon days." And I just think that was sort of a bit of a turning point as well when they were like, yeah, the Knights could be box office again and we're going to back them in 2024. Let's give them the wider audience and see how they go with it. Yeah, the, the shyness has gone out of KP. He's realised, you know, nothing's changing. He'll always be this guy that's got the media focus on him. And he's he just, I think, after the uh, the Canada trip and everything almost going away for him, he just started to embrace it. But then once the winning started to happen... Yeah, and um, we've seen a different side of him. And you're right. And the great thing about it was that, yeah, he became a showman and he whooped it up, but the performance never suffered at all. Mm. Mate, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the off-season. 
Um, touch wood. It's been quiet. And I think for Knights fans, like even going into, like I said, when we started recording this, going into 2022, yeah, we were high on the club. You know, we, we were this and that. But, I mean, um, Mitchell Pierce did a runner. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's always something that manages to be a, a bit of a story with the Knights. And obviously, um, obviously, last year, the whole off-season was about uh, whether or not KP was going to stay. This year, okay, yeah, there's probably been that speculation about Bradman Best. But having said that, the media really, the speculation's been more, oh, you know, the Knights have got his signature over the line. They're just waiting to end it, you know, as opposed to, well, is he really going to let? It, it, just, it just feels like it's been a relatively quiet off-season well, for the game in general. But there's almost been a professional air about the way the Knights have carried themselves this off-season. Yeah, we've hardly heard anything. You know, the club have done their regular socials and, you know, their their updates and with pictures and stuff. But we haven't really heard nothing. You know, we haven't seen Bill's, uh, Phil, Phil's stupid bug on the TV every week, <laughs> which was getting monotonous, you know, because in previous off-seasons, you'd see Phil all the bloody time and it was, you know, and you just thought, see, you, know, you, you don't need to see him on TV every week. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a good look. But we've barely seen him. You know, we see we hear from Adzi when he has, you know, his sort of regular scheduled press conferences. Pari's had a few little interviews here and there, but nothing major. And the Braddy stuff, yeah. I've actually been quite surprised because, you know, he still, obviously still hasn't officially signed yet. But there's been no, or we go, such and such are with him. And on such and such jumped in today with a million dollars and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, you know, they've just offered him $400, $400 million to go and play American football, and which which is always happens. <laughs> and, yeah, the, um, the Tigers were the team that were linked with him, and that was real. So you can't blame him for that. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Um, The season's kicking off in three weeks. So it's been a weird off-season in that for Knights fans in particular, I think, with that sort of sense of expectation i think it's been a long off season but then all of a sudden the season's the season's on a doorstep we've got trials this weekend um ours kick off uh, the weekend after mate i want to look forward to we've got a weird i think uh, first five rounds for the men's team just in terms of home then away home then away home um you know so that we're sort of uh, one off one on but as usual with the Knights, it's it's an interesting opening to the season. So we're we're hosting the Raiders on the Thursday night. Then we're away to the Cowboys in round two. We're hosting the Storm in round three. Then away to the Warriors in round four. And then we're hosting the Dragons. I don't think that's an easy start, but I think it's certainly a club that wants to be, if they're going to be genuinely aiming for top four, they've got to be winning at least three of those, surely. Yeah, you've, you've got to win three. And really, we want to be aiming for four there, don't we? Three's the minimum. Um, the season sort of, you know, we've looked at it uh, in and of ourselves uh, in our own time. I think it's a relatively fair draw for us. I don't think we should have too many complaints. I think the big thing that sort of sticks out for me, really, though, is um, the Knights are back in Magic Round. Now, granted, we're at the we've got the graveyard shift again, three o'clock on the Saturday. But uh, the Knights are back, baby. And, um, yeah, it's uh, Bay 53's geared up and ready to ready to rock up in Brisbane for Magic Round in um, in May. Yeah, I like that 3 o'clock kickoff. I know it's, you know it's not sort of ideal, but I like that 3 o'clock kickoff because you sort of – you spend your Sunday, you know, having some lunch and getting on the beers and knowing you're first up. I would hate to be sitting there for two more games waiting for us to play at 7 and 30. Yeah, no, I, I like the 3 o'clock game. The only thing I don't like about the three o'clock game is that I'm usually so hungover I don't actually know who's playing. So <laughs> my ex- my experiences in the last two Magic Round is that I've gotten to three o'clock and I've been like I'm barely coherent. I think I think the last time I was there there was a I think it was the Rabbitohs Warriors. I, I, I was so out of it from the night before I could barely remember. But no, you, you you do make a fair point. Sometimes it is good to get these games out of the way. Um, particularly early on, I I I, know, I do remember particularly when we were the Friday six o'clock game. Um, it was a lot better when we beat the Bulldogs than it was than when we lost to the Tigers. Um, but just interestingly for me, I mean, 
will be a tech, you know, will be away to the Titans for the magic for magic round. Got to win that, surely. Like I, I know yeah, everyone's sort of yeah, everyone's sort of talking about the Titans are on the up. They talk about the Titans being on the up every season. Uh, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take for the players to adapt to the Desi Desi Hasler regime. Um, but just on the, pl- I just really want to quickly talk about the Titans because I do like to give the Titans a lot of shit. I, I think they're completely irrelevant. But for a club that I think that really wants to be on the up, I think changing the coach isn't enough, or at least you want to be seeing more in terms of what they're doing to strengthen positions um, in, in their squad. And I just don't really see that they've been doing much of that. No, I actually think they're weakening the squad in turn because, the, you know, they're moving Brimson to centre. And, and He's a centre now. Yeah, he's, he's officially, he's officially called him playing him at centre. Uh, when Jaden Campbell's back, Jaden Campbell had that knee injury late last season, so he mm. might miss the first couple of weeks. But once he's back, Jaden Campbell fullback, Brimson centre. They've still got no halves. You know, Foran has a good game every three or four weeks, but he's way past his best. Um, Tanner Boyd at halfback's a no-go. They, um, their hookers, they've, you know, they don't really ever sort of thrive up there in any anyone. Um, you know, they've still got the two outstanding forwards, Fifi and um, Tino. But you know, the rest of the pack's very meh. Um, yeah, they got plenty of speed out wide, but they also those guys also don't like tackling. Um, no, I I'm <laughs> to be the to be the Titans are perennial, they're gonna every year they're gonna finish between eleventh and fourteenth. Yeah. Um Hey mate, can we talk a little bit about the um the the NRLW um team just because um it's pretty significant change during the off season. Obviously, we knew that head coach Ron Griffiths was um, moving over to take over the New South Wales Cup team for the men. Uh, the Knights announced Ben Jeffries as uh, the 2024 uh, head coach for the Newcastle Knights women's team. Uh, he had been coaching the North the Cowboys in their inaugural season. And um, Peter Parr said that um, Ben provides us with what we are looking for and we have no doubt the Knights NRLW program will continue to grow under his coaching. Bretto, I'm going to hit you with the hard question straight up. Do you believe, Peter? Have they made the right appointment there? Uh, I don't know. I, I, he hasn't proved himself as a head coach. and He's proved himself as an excellent development coach. He's done mm-hmm. really well in pathways with us and then with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the Cowboys, you can't judge the Cowboys season last year. They were... Obviously, uh, first season in very under under uh, under womaned, um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> that was very good. I like that. <laughs> they, um, yeah, yeah. You just don't know, and you're you're coming off you know, what we all think is one of the great rugby league coaches in the game. You just you just, you just don't know. But one thing I will know that. Irrespective of how we go on the field in terms of, you know, we defend the premiership again or whatever, I think the younger players will certainly develop under Ben, which is important. Uh, he, he feels like the right appointment at this time, whether or not he's the right appointment in the grand scheme of things, obviously yeah, time will time will tell. That's the thing, and, that, and that's what you'll get out of him, whether he proves he's not the head coach long term, where you, he gives you time to find that person. But as I said, the, the, uh, you'll keep developing those players at the same time. So the club won't stagnate in that regard, which is, you know, and we've, we've, won, we've gone back-to-back. Back. We'd love to go back-to-back-to-back. To back to back, but either we don't. We've gone back-to-back. A back, couple of years where we, you know, where we finish in the finals and some up-and-comers really come through, that's a win. Right. It's, as always, an exciting time in the women's game. They've expanded the state of origin season out to three games. Now, my only trepidation with that is the um, state of origin is still a preseason comp for the women, which is which is fine. Like I understand the the sort of logistics of having to fit all of these things in, but the important thing is that the girls get three games now instead of the two. And the more important thing is that one of those games is at Newcastle. And the most important thing is that Bay Fifty Three will be not only at the Newcastle game, but will be up at the Suncor game as well. And uh, I'm just I'm really excited about rugby league in 2024. I think um, I think though the the games are going to be spectacular um, events. Uh, thoughts on the crowd? What do you, what do you reckon? Newy's going to pull. Oh, we'll definitely get over twenty. 
Honestly, okay. I'd, be dis- I'd be disappointed if we didn't get 25 to 30, you know. I, th- I think okay. we should be nearly selling the place out because the tickets are quite reasonably priced for, you know, for a state of mm. origin event. The, the t- we're sitting on the halfway in the Joey stand for 30-something dollars. Yep. Um, you know, like, you, can, you can't argue that as, as a price point for entertainment in the current climate. Now, I, I think we'll get a massive crowd there. And um, the, the best thing about the whole uh, origin coming to Newcastle thing is that We've wanted to own women's rugby league. You know, we 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 got the biggest crowds in the competition. We've got the best team. We've always sort of said, yeah, we're the home of women's rugby league. Well, let's prove it. Let's get a full crowd because Suncorp will get twenty to twenty-five just because before Magic Round. Townsville yep. will get what they got last year, the high teens. If we can have do both of those, we'll, we'll get for that game for as long as we want it. it. It will be our game. I think if the third game is a decider. I think Townsville will do what they can to outdo Newcastle. If we get so thirty, so think, matches. That's the thing. If we get thirty, twenty-seven is their capacity. No, that, and that's what I'm saying. If we sell, if we sell out our home game, yeah, that's like, no matter what the city, you know, Newcastle will be the. No, I, I completely agree with you. Sort of, um, I was just, I'm, I'm just curious how. You know, we'll see how the the year sort of plays out. I'm curious I, how I the crowd responds to Tamika playing in the Moraine jersey. I think we're gonna love her. I know um, I'm gonna love her because I because mean, my... I because I do love KP in a maroon jersey, but KP yeah. is KP and Meeks is Meeks is Meeks today. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. K, to me, KP doesn't feel like a Queenslander. Meeks has always been a Queenslander because she's a Bronco, and you know, and she's and she's sort of from the uh, Queensland Capras and that. So she's yeah. always felt like a Queenslander. KP doesn't feel like that to me. So oh, yeah, I'm, I... inter- I'm interested. No, see, I take that on board. I think you're absolutely right. The key difference, though, is that Tamika is a two-time premiership winner for Newcastle. Yeah. Very fair. So, so, so to me, she, she's ours. Like, even when they won last year, I was happy for, for Meeks. And, and so I think that's the difference is that, you know, when she re-signed with the club, you know, posts on oh, Newcastle, you've got my heart. And I sort of, uh, for me, you know, the fact that she's brought those premierships or helped bring those premierships to Newcastle, yeah. it sort of softens the blow a little bit when um, when when Queensland do win. Um, the other big the other big news there is that she's taking the Southall sisters to the Central Queensland Capras for a few games. Yeah, which is, I mean. That's good. I, I'm of the opinion the more that the women can play in readiness for the season, you know, the the, the better it is. So I think that's a good thing. It's a, it's a good competition. They've got good competition up there up in um, Queensland as well. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of the girls that are certainly in the origin frame are, are going up there to play, you know, four or five games because, as you said, the origin is essentially a pre-season series. So they don't want to hit it cold. Last year they hit it cold, and that's why the, the standard was down from what we expected. And I think that this year, yeah, a lot of those girls are going to yeah get those four or five games under the belt, yeah, just to hit the ground running. And hopefully um, and with a full season under a belt, um Hannah, um, yeah, Hannah can hit the ground, sort of that form that where you know she's back in the origin frame. Mate, I want to talk to you. I'm going to switch um, modes again and go back to the to the boys because your spies have been um, checking out the the training that uh, the the guys have been doing over the off season, and you and I were a bit curious as to how the two English recruits would go. By all reports, um, Kai Pierce-Paul is um, almost literally training the house down. He seems to have uh, been able to hit the ground running despite the toe injury that seemed to be causing a fair bit of concern. Yeah. Um, it's. I was worried because the guy in that sort of frame, you know, with the, an injury is going to stop him running early in pre-season, I was worried that he wouldn't be able to get enough training under his belt to have a mm. big year this year because yep. the, stand, the, the standard in pre-season from um, Super League to NRL is unexplainable. It, it's it's a, a, it, you're probably you're probably increasing intensity threefold in your pre-season, um, and that worried me. A guy in that size, that frame, you know, how would his body handle an NRL season without full pre-season? But all reports out of the out of the um, the spies there at the center of excellence are that he's just looking like an Adonis, training the house down, killing all the um, records in terms of his weight and uh, weights and stuff. Being really part of the main squad for most of the preseason. Yeah, you know, he had that surgery a few weeks to recover, but they sort of 
worked him back in pretty quickly, and it's his uh, toes responded really well, and he's he's done most of the running since Christmas. So yeah, it's um it's exciting because we initially we thought we'd probably miss him for the first month of the season, but now mm. it's like you you actually play in the trials. I, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> success is a funny thing, not not only just in terms of um, the burgeoning bandwagon we've got in terms of the, the explosive mem- membership numbers, but it's it's funny to me how differently you look at a playing list when, you know, you've had a relatively successful year before and you start adding pieces to that, um, to that, that puzzle because I'm looking at our player list at the moment and there, funnily enough, there are some names that are just jumping out at me, particularly in the forwards, where you think to yourself, huh, there's a bit of depth there. Like I'm looking at players that have joined like uh, Jed Cartwright, like um, KPP. But also you look at players like Miles Martin, who's been added to the top 30. Paul Bryan's there as well. And of course, Riley Jones, um, backup hooker, who had a, you know, on paper. Oh, and of course, Jed Cartwright. I'm forgetting Jed Cartwright. And of course... On paper, you probably say to yourself, look, that's that's not a, a Penrith-esque squad. But I look at that, and I look at some of the names there in terms of, uh, some, you know, there's depth there in terms of the possibility of what we've learned from the Dragons game of putting together a 30-man squad that is a first-grade squad as opposed to your best 17 and then plugging holes with, um, with uh, your reserves. And it's young depth. You know, that's yeah. the thing, you know, you, you haven't got to fill it out with 27-year-olds. You've got to fill it out with Miles Martin, who, you know, is considered the best lock forward of his age group. Uh, unfortunately, we lost Oren Keeley, but that's – we lost Oren Keeley because we've got depth and he didn't see a part to first grade for himself. Mm. That's, that, to me, that Oren Keeley leaving is a good indication of how of how well he thinks the club is set for the forward positions. But you've got yep. Miles Martin, you got Paul Bryan, who I think – because he got the the ACL last year, I've just forgotten about him. I still think he's the best young forward the club's had, maybe since Kate Stone and come through the grade. Interesting. That's the, okay. you know, is that is that sort? Of, but but and I, you know, and, and Kate sort of didn't quite reach the heights we thought he would. But as a young player, Kate was outstanding. I think my, uh, Paul Bryan's at least that sort of level. Um, no, you. And then, yeah, you got Jed Cartwright, who every time he's played for South, whether it's been the back row or in the centres, never let him down. You know, he makes his tackles. He's got a good uh, left-hand offload as runs in the family. Must be bred into them. Um, no, the, and it's kind of – so you look at it, you think, well, is there a spot for Croaks? And in, in, our best so, seven, in our best seven, does he make it? So uh, I, I was going to ask you the, uh, the, an interesting – again, on the spot, I was going to ask you the question – Who's the player in? Who's the forward that you think is they've got the most pressure on him? Go, oh, this is you know this is the biggest crunch year for him, and I I kind of assumed your answer was going to be Matt Croker, because when you think about it with Croaks, yeah, you go. He's the one that unfortunately I can see sliding out of the club in terms of. He'll sort of slide out of the seventeen and slide out the back door, if that makes sense. Well, can I ask you what's his best position? We still and don't know what his best is, position that, is. That is one hundred percent the issue, because at least with Heather, you know he's a, he's a front rower. You know he can yep. play edge, but he's a front rower. You know, you go like Paul Bryan come through. You know, you know he's a front rower. Miles Martin is a lock forward. What is Croaks? He's not. He's quite a footballer. He's right. He's exactly right. He's a, he's a nineties footballer. He's an undersized forward with great skills and great effort. But you can't. Can you? You, know, you love to have a guy with that in your squad. But can you carry him in your best 17? I don't know. And is that going to then satisfy him? You know, is he going to happy to be sticking around to be the, you know, the, the 90th or 20th man? Um, I, it's interesting. Can I ask but... you this? What do you think Croaks wants to be? Does he want to be a lock? Does he want to be a, a, a front row forward? Um, is he happy just to sort of be that? What do you think he says? He's, he's going to Adam O'Brien going, this is where I think I'm at my best. Or... Conversely, what do you think Adam O'Brien is saying to um, Croaks? Because one thing we sort of know, we do know about Adam O'Brien is that he's really good to say at players. This is what I see you being. You need to be better at that. Yeah, I, I think Croaks just wants to be a first grade footballer for the Knights. I think he he's a gen, he genuinely just wants to be in that team. I don't think, yeah. I, but I, I personally think his best position is lock because he's undersized. Yeah. And he, but but I'm actually surprised. I I kind of half expected. Us to see pictures of Croaks and see him huge, like really bulk up, 
and sort of and try and nail down a front row spot because with his skill and leg speed, if you could put on ten kilos, he'd be a great front rower. But maybe he doesn't have the frame for it. Yeah, maybe the, the the conditioning and the coaching staff. Are, well, we put ten kilos on him. You got to lose too much of the other stuff that he does well. But you know, he, the he's problem, an interesting one, isn't he? You know, the problem for Croaks is is that he's too tall. So he's one hundred and ninety one yeah, centimeters. Yeah. So that that hundred and eight kilos on him. He still looks small, but you're like, no, 108 kilos is a big bopper. But because he's got that extra height in him, and as we, and he's, he doesn't really play as a second rower, yeah, he's a he. He really does seem to be a square peg in a in a sort of round rugby league hole, which, given the history of the game, isn't and the best metaphor a, to be using. To, to me, and to me, the, you don't get the best out of Croaks off the bench. To me, the the way he would best for any club would be he could play 70 minutes in the middle. Yeah, you know, and I, 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 I genuinely think that you know he's not. He's not an impact. You know, he's, not he's not an not impact bench enough. forward. He's not explosive no. enough to play on the bench. You know, you're, on the bench we're going to have either one of KPP or Lucas, who are both explosive forwards. You have Heather for the same reason. You have your your fourteen, whether it's Phoenix, Gamble, Cogger. You know, you have one of those guys, and that other spot is the one that you know is going to be your your front row. He doesn't make it out of the, the twins and uh, Leo Thompson. So where does Croaks fit in? Like it's sort of, I me personally, I think he's the 18th player in the squad. So Dick's on the table. Come if everybody's fit. Come round one. Is he in the 17? Uh, if KPP's fit, no. Well, see, I, I think if Jed Cartwright's fit, no. I think Jed Cartwright will. The, the, the club will think he needs to. Um, Ernie Stripes. I know KPP's new oh, too. Oh, really? I know, I know KPP's new too, but we've, we've paid half a million bucks for him to get him out from England. Jed Cartwright's an, 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 a, a lower-budget squad guy. I think, oh, those okay. guys, yep. I think those guys earn their first-grade spot. Um, I, want, I want to talk to you about the backs as well because um, we've had a few additions there in terms of uh, – and Will Price – has been barely spoken of, which I think Will will probably be okay with. I think he'd be like KPP, you you take the you take the noise at this stage. Let me work quietly in the background. He's back up fullback, so I'd be surprised if he's playing come round one. But the other big additions are uh, from Penrith, uh, obviously um, Tom Jenkins. Mate, what what do you do with Jack Cogger? Can, can I ask? Can I ask you this? Can I ask you this? If not for the grand final, do you think there'd be this much noise about whether or not he demands a spot in the starting 17? Uh, but that's a tough one, isn't it? I think not. There was certainly noise because he certainly he played well. He played well that throughout the whole year. He really filled in that's well for right. when they needed him. You know, when, when Cleary was out, when Luai was out, you know, when he needed to play hooker, he filled in well yep. the whole season. But the grand final just sort of was the cream on the cake where I went, oh, yeah, yeah, he can do it under the most pressure in the game. Um, but he won't, you know, aside from um, injury, he won't start in the halves. He I, may I, be. I, I, was con- I was convinced he wouldn't, but, geez, the noise is getting loud that he will. Okay, where's the noise coming from? Oh, no, is it I'm just talking, the fans I'm, speculating? Yeah, no, I'm talking media, people outside the club, but people that might know a little bit what's going on. Yeah. Um, there seems to be a lot of – and I, I don't think he will because I think that Ads is going to be loyal to Gamble and Hastings. So we, I, ran a I, poll, we ran a poll on, um, on uh, Twitter uh, asking this very question. The interesting thing that came out of that was, I mean, obviously, in the end, ultimately – Obviously, uh, Jackson and Gamble were the preferred choice, I think 53% out of 300 votes. But what I found interesting was that Jackson and uh, Cogs was the second most popular. So I think from a yeah. fan's perspective, Jackson, Jackson has to be there is, somewhere. I think Jackson's best butt's 5'8". Jackson Hastings? Yeah. I'll, really? give, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you exactly why. Because I think, I, I think that he has... The ability to see what goes on out wide, it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be stuck on one edge. Because we play a five-eight moves both sides a little bit. Our halfback a little bit less because we'll play KP on one side, the halfback on the other. Um, our five-eight is the one that can drift a little bit. Um, I think Jacko might have that job. Do you think Jacko playing, having someone else at halfback would take some pressure off Jacko as well? Yeah, yeah, Jack, Jacko, Jacko can lead a side around. He's very good at leading a side around the park. But I think mm. that Jacko just, you know, doing his own thing, 
um, it'd be great for Jacko. And I also think that'll take a lot of the kicking pressure off him at 5'8", you know, with that dodgy foot. If he's, if he's the secondary kicker, not the primary kicker, yep. that might be a good thing for him too. One, what I will say, if it wasn't for Phoenix being almost a lock at 14, I would I think that come round one, Gamble would start at 14. Gamble? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I think his best spot in the team is 14. I think Adzi knows that. But as I said, I think Adzi's loyal enough to say, well, you know, you you played so well last year, I'm not dropping you. Um... <laughs> Because you and but, I were, were sorry, I I'll was. Tell, I'll, tell no, you you I say, I'll tell you why I say Gamble at fourteen, because he can play either of the halves. He can play lock. He can play hooker. You and I were a little bit critical. I was definitely critical of Phoenix Crossland at the end of twenty twenty two, to the extent where I was like, "Look, you know, it's one of those. I know he's a good footballer, but the club needs to stop, um, you know, continuously signing players on hopes and dreams." So he he obviously proved myself and everyone wrong last year. But did Phoenix prove the coaches wrong as well last year? Like, did they – has Phoenix now, with his form and what he did last year, created a great headache, but a headache nonetheless for the coaches that they sort of didn't anticipate having to deal with? I think Phoenix got rid of the notion that Braley's irrepla- irreplaceable. I think so he hasn't – so, so Phoenix the- hasn't created headaches. He's given us even a, a great solution. Yeah, everyone, everyone in the club, and they still – don't doubt it, you know. So Brails is the glue, you know. Brails is the leader. Brails this, Brails that. But I think Phoenix has proven that, yeah, like Brails' leadership's great. But is anyone going to question Phoenix's leadership? Who was the one last year that was always making the last inch tackle, was always mm. backing up, was always doing those things we praised Brails for? It's Phoenix. And, you know, he, he hasn't got the injury history that Brails has got. He's, what, four years younger, five years younger maybe, probably four years mm. younger. Um, yeah, I think that the, the the thing that it does is that it now makes the club think, is Phoenix a specialist talker? Because if we think Phoenix is a specialist talker, I don't think we'll re-sign Browse. Um, because yeah, because can, Roller Jones in the club. Why else well, that's what I was going to say. Can, can the club win a comp with a hooker rotation of Phoenix, Crossland and Riley Jones? Because that's the question ultimately you need to be answering, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yep, yep. But can the club also go into every season wondering where the hooker's going to play two games? No, and no, he, I, hey. He's already had two ACLs and a, um Achilles. So would you, I mean, yeah, there, there's obviously pressure on Jaden Braley this year. I, I think he'll know within himself he, he needs to perform. But, I mean, at the end of the day... We, <laughs> If he's following all the medical advice that he can, there's, what, what more can he really be doing? You know oh, what it's, I mean? It's, like it's, it's just unlucky. But yeah. you, but you, you were third ACL and you're done. Yeah. Tauta Moga was the most hyped 16-year-old ever play rugby league. By 20, he was done because he'd done his knee three times. Yeah, yeah. And he retired in the off-season as well, 87 games. I didn't realise how long ago he'd started playing. Um. Hey, let's let, let's talk about the um, the the elephant in the room, the the giant dreadlocked um, elephant that's slowly departing the room. Hey, um, gun to your head, mate. Who's going to be taking the wing spot depart? Uh, you know, made vacant on the right hand side for the uh, men's team come round one? Because we've got a few options there. We've also got Tom Jenkins who's come in. Christian Mapapalangi's name's been thrown around a fair bit as well. Um, Does Will Price ease himself into the side in in the wing? Or is it the uh, the ace up the sleeve, the uh, ever-reliable Anari Tuala? Or is there someone I've overlooked? Um, I generally think that's the trials. I think the trials will 100% pick that position. Oh, really? Yeah, I I think Anari's in front. But if one of those other guys, you know, the trials show that they're they're ceiling, you know, they've I think they've all got higher ceilings than Anari. And if any of those guys look outstanding in the trials, they'll get that spot. Can I ask you, mate? Since you have mentioned the trials, with your experience in rugby league preseason, what are coaches looking for from trials? Is it just match fitness? Is it just working on combos? Do they want to actually get a bit of a victory just to know how it feels to, you know, what are they looking for? And the other thing I want to ask is, uh, have they settled on lineups and this is about just uh, ironing out the kinks or are they saying to players, this is a genuine, you know, this is your genuine opportunity to 
put your hand up here for um, because we don't know. We're still not sure how how round one's going to look. I think in every roster, there's probably fifteen spots locked in. Okay. Now yeah. you sort of you know, and, and I think we're the same. I think we've got one bench spot up for grabs, and that wing spot, and that wing spot's only up for grabs, obviously because Dom left, or you know, or we'd have sixteen guys locked in. Um, the, I reckon, I reckon trials are about as much for the coach's reassurance that he's had a good preseason in terms of what he's wanted to get through to the squad, get the squad doing. He's actually now being put onto the field. Because it's one thing to go through it all, and yeah, you have your contact sessions, and they have they sometimes have you know scrimmages against um, other local clubs behind closed doors and stuff. But it's not until you get out on the field against NRL talent, that you actually know whether your players can do it, and your players have actually heard what you wanted. And I think that's where they they'll pick those those last few selections will generally be coaches going, well, he got it. He, you know, I said to him he needs to do this, this, and this, and I've seen this, this, and this. And the example I'll use for that is Greg Marju last year. So mm. everyone assumed Greg would be the team because he played pretty well in the trials. And as he didn't pick him, he went, oh, what? And he went, because I want him to work on this, this, and this. And he was good with this and this, but that third thing, he wasn't quite there. I want to see it again. And he yep. did it for a couple of weeks, and he was in the team. And that's, yep. I think, what trials are about. Yeah. What will the Knights be – okay, so what will the Knights be looking at, um, you know, come uh, – we, we're, we're up against the Sharks on the 17th and we're off to Fiji for the 24th. Uh, you'd expect to see Jenko get a run, Inari get a run, uh, Maps, Will Price. Would they would they be figuring in terms of getting some game time in those two games? Yeah, I think all those guys will rotate um, Santa Wing and I think the Brady and Gags won't play a lot. Um, yeah, they'll play probably probably half a game in one of them, maybe twenty minutes in the other one. Um, I think Gags is playing All Stars, so he might need even play a trial game for us. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, I I think that those guys will play a lot of time. And when you sort of think, when we talk about the depth, you're actually remember normally when we sort of play our first our best thirteen for the first half, and they all go off, and we go, "Geez, mm. who are these kids?" We yeah. actually had to bring on a thirteen and a half time ago. They're nearly a first grade team there. <laughs> you know, because Phoenix, Phoenix will come on and start at hooker. Whoever's, whoever didn't start at halfback out of those in the mix will come and play at halfback. Yeah, so you've got all those wingers. Will Price will probably come on and play fullback for KP. Um, you know, you've got all those young forwards that'll get a game. The trials are going to be really, really interesting because that second 13 is going to be stronger than we I think we've seen maybe ever. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, hey, just quickly while I'm thinking about it as well, you were uh, oh, concerned, isn't the word, but you certainly weren't on board when they released the 2024 jersey. You've come around this off season though. I, I have noticed a couple more of your comments have been a little bit um, softer in relation to the the jersey, if for no other reason than the colours that they've actually landed on, like they strike you really they well. Pop. They pop. Yeah. I like. I, you're right. I do, I'm still not a huge fan of the design, and I didn't really like it in 2001 either. But those colours pop. I love how bright they are. Um, the club just seems to. I mean, you know, Peter Parr really seems to have brought some direction and focus to the way things are going off the field. Um, the the team seems to be doing everything right from a training perspective. Our spies are telling us that the boys are training harder than they ever have before. And, you know, this is all to overlook Adam O'Brien, you know, that first press conference coming back. And he said, and what did you say, Brett? What did you say? You said, I predict that this off-season, the boys are going to come back and they're going to break record or PBs after that first week of training. And that was essentially what Adam O'Brien said. Um the, the the metrics for success that you'd use from an outsider looking in, they just seem to be ticking off all of these boxes, boxes that says this is a club that's on the upward trajectory. And the reason I say that is not so much to be, oh, yeah, get excited, everybody. It's actually, in fact, to say there's a distinct possibility that that 10-game streak wasn't a fluke. It was, funnily enough, just an indication of better things to come. And that's something to be excited about. Absolutely. And irrespective of how this season goes, I don't think any of us can say that the club aren't in a good place. Yeah. yeah we're well run off the field. Pari's with his magic there. I think we all believe it, Adzi. Um, yeah, if we have another poor year, we'll, 
the, the blowtorch would be back on him, and rightly so. <laughs> but, but, but we but we all believe in Abs. You know, we all we all um, we we just enjoy having him as our coach. He's a, he's a really a really interesting guy to have as your coach. Now he speaks the truth. He fits in with the town well, and we all think that he's got uh, the best interest of players at heart, which is important to all of us. Um, but no, I think that the club's set for success now. If we if this year's a failure, it's squarely on the shoulders of the players. The club I'm can't do any more to, to set them up for success. I'm pretty sure uh, Adam O'Brien, and uh, I probably should have fact-checked this before I decided to drop it, but I'm pretty sure he's the only coach in Newcastle Knights history to um, play three final series without an immortal. So um, yeah, yeah, and he, yeah, and I think that's um, I think that's a pretty big achievement. The other thing as well is that what I always love is this whole two of them were only seventh, and I'm like, I love how how making the eight is suddenly a shit accomplishment when it's the Knights. Yeah, I'm like he made the eight. Any other coach, fucking um, who was the guy who got sacked from the Titans? This is how irrelevant the Titans are. I can't even remember their shit. Even oh, Justin Holbrook. Holbrook. Finished eighth with a 10 and 13 record. And he got lauded as being a better coach than Adam O'Brien, who at least had a fucking winning record in the top top eight. So, um, but yeah, Adam O'Brien at the end of the day. And you and I discussed it a bit last year where we were sort of like, people were like, oh, the Knights made the finals. That's that's something, it's always good to see the, the you know, the, the up and comers. I'm like, this is our third final series in four years. We, we are now used to this. It, it's not yeah. different anymore. And I think that expectate, I mean, because, and again, we'll go back to it. Do you think that's because the previous two were COVID affected? No, I, I, no, I, I'll tell you exactly what it was. It, it was because uh, we lost badly in the first final series and we had a negative points differential of 150 in the second yeah, one. Fair, That's what fair. it was. Both of those instances, when you look, and funnily enough, everyone was happy to look at the wider context. They were like, well, you were shit in that finals game and you were shit in that season. So that's what's stuck. It's not, it's not been the seventh position. It's been the things associated with it. And then... Um, um, so, yeah, so I think that's probably had more to do with it. I think if we'd won either of those first two finals, it'd be a different story. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Alba. Alba will score. Alba will score. I just want to, I just want to go back again, unfortunately, to the dark times. In terms of, you know, again, we discussed it, just that toxicity around the Newcastle Knights. Because remember, even in 2022, the reason we weren't looking forward to 2023 wasn't even just the losing. It was like, I just don't want to go to games because it's it's so, it really does just sap the energy. And I think and that's another reason why people still think of the Knights as the down and out sort of a, is because 2022 wasn't just bad. It was so bad. It made us genuinely think whether or not we wanted to keep loving the Newcastle Knights in 2023. And it was so bad at home. We got, yeah. how, many, how many times were we down buddy 18 nil in 10 minutes? Yeah. And even, even in the dark times, you know, we, even in the, the 2016, there were plenty of times there we were in front at halftime or, you know, right in the game at halftime. In 2022, mm. we were blown out the door within 15 minutes. Mm. And and I've never I've never known it where the first game at, at uh, MJS was there no buzz and for the back mm. end of 2022 no one wanted to be there we're all just there because we thought we should be there no one actually wanted to be there was no buzz no there was barely even blokes having a beer it was just dead it was, yeah it was not fun so you know, embrace it, Knights fans. I just say we really do. It's funny when we thought the three spoons in a row was, you know, the, and, but I think for what we've endured, the 2022 season, the spoons, I think that's why just sit back and enjoy the moment at the in terms of, you know, the night, the, the club is on um, course for potentially having a wait list for ticketed seats. Like that's just, that's just insane to me when you think about, not just the Knights, but the game of rugby league, the idea that, that you know, that's how far that we've sort of come. And, um, yeah, I, look, uh, granted, we pro- you and I probably got a little bit too excited going into the 2022 season for, for obvious reasons, but in hindsight, 
Yeah, okay. But this is a different kind of excitement this year. You know, this is just one where we're like, you look at the way they're training, you look at the way they're operating, you look at the way that they're handling themselves as a professional club. And it's the first time that I've just sort of sat there and gone, oh, this is nice. Like, it's just, it's nice to be a part of and it's nice to observe. And uh, I'm really looking forward to getting back to the footy. Yeah, it's, um, I'll be honest, like, I'm, I'm, I'm scared, like, because 2022, it just it sits, it sits in my head, and, and I'm that's just the like, thing, isn't it? I can't go through that again. I just can't do it. And and that, that that's 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 always the thing with being a Knights fan is the herd. Um, just back up this a... year. If we have a good this year, this year we, we, we do at least as well as last year. I'm in then. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is real. And I think that's it. I think you've actually nailed it on the head. There is that. For me, I'm not going into this year going, oh, well, they have to win the comp. You know, I think they were, it's more, it's just like, I'm really confident they can back up what they did last year and prove that they're a good team. And you know what I mean? Like, that's the, the difference. You know, with the same sort of game, maybe a game or two more, and just spread out throughout the year. You know, just be a team that's always, you know, sitting between fourth and sixth or seventh the whole season. That'd do me nicely. Um, hey, just really quickly though, as, as well, mate. Uh, I mean, the talks are still that um, Bradman's re-signed. We're, we're still waiting for the club to um, to sort of announce it. Um, when do you think that announcement will be due, though? Do you reckon they'll uh, do you reckon they'll try and get it done before the season kicks off, or are they waiting for something special? What do you, what do you reckon the, the hold-up is there? I don't know what the hold-up. I definitely think it'll be before the season. The only the only question is. Uh, um, we see Barry Tilly, uh say that the paperwork's been put into that or they're waiting for uh, it being registered. So maybe there's you know, some, some um, little issues there. So who knows how long that might take. But I think if the Knights are going to say, it'll definitely be done in the next you know, week or two weeks. Uh, it'll be good to have our big, thick boy um, uh, in town for... Uh, maybe on a beach in PG. <laughs> just just hey, mate, we... it up a bit. And look, we, we've got a big year sort of in store, not in terms of, um, you know, sort of trying to do anything too extravagant, but, um, you know, we really do want to try and enjoy as much as we can this year, you know, with everybody else. Again, we, we sort of want to get back to what we originally started to do this was, which was a fan experience and an opportunity to have some really good chats. So uh, we think we've got some pretty good guests lined up for this year. Um, there's a potential for a cross-promotion pod. We don't want to give too much, uh, too much away there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Bruno, it's fairly safe to say that uh, you and I are excited for uh, 2024 season. Yeah, mate, can't bloody wait. Um, yeah, I just want to get these first couple of months under the seat, under my belt, so I can see where we go. Hey, thanks for listening. It's as usual, everybody. Um, yeah, uh, check us out on the socials at Bay Fifty Three Pod. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter, um, or X, formerly known as Twitter, and. Um, Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Let's talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.